Amen. Church, grab your seats. It's, it's great to see you. Um, I'll probably cough like a hundred times during this, so forgive me. Um, I'm going to re- um, speak from a title tonight of This One Thing. This one thing. I'm going to read, there's going to be three different scriptures that are going to come on. Um, there's just going to be sort of one random verse, and you're going to think, well, where's he going with this? But I'll explain um, as I go on. And the first verse that's going to come up is Mark chapter 10 and verse 21. I'm just going to read the verse. It's not going to make much sense in it, out of context, but I'll explain as you go along. Looking at the man, Jesus felt a genuine love for him. There is still one thing. You haven't done, he told him. So go and sell all your possessions to give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. I'm going to jump to Luke chapter 10 and verse 42. It says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. And then I'm going to jump to Philippians 3. 13, which is a passage we read this morning. I near had a hernia when Phil started speaking on it. And it says this in Philippians chapter 3, 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And so I'll come back to these scriptures um, as I go along here. But we, Kelsey and I were away in um, London there um, for a couple of days, from, just from Sunday. We left on Sunday and we got back late Wednesday night. Um, and, and so we went away and we'd never sort of, we've been to London a few times, or well I've been once, um, she's been a couple of times. And so we went to, and we got our phones out and we had the Google Maps everything. Have you ever been that where you just, you don't know where you are? And, and how did people get about with Google Maps beforehand? Like, I don't understand how people, like, did you just walk about with maps, like, all down the street, just carrying these massive maps, like, arguing where to go? Um, people are nodding, saying, yes, that's actually what happened. Um, but we were, we, on the, I think it was the Tuesday, we decided to do, um, a few people had recommended some different places that we went to, um, and so there was this place in London called Shoreditch, um, and so we decided to get the tube down to Shoreditch and just walk around. There was a cereal cafe there, and we were like, yes. I will pay £10 for a bowl of cereal, no bother. Um, and so we got, um, <coughs> we got the, the tube to, to this place and went for a bowl of cereal at like t- 1 o'clock in the afternoon, don't judge us. Um, and then we, we wanted to go, there was this other wee place, like a, an indoor like industrial mini golf place. Um, and so we got up in the Google Maps and, and, and put in this um, mini golf place and dis- decided to start to walk towards it. Um, now, I don't know if any has ever been to this place in Shoreditch, but it's really weird. Like, it's almost, it looks like, it looks really run down and there's like graffiti on all the walls and like cages everywhere. But in the middle of it, there's like these real nice like boutique places and shops and things. Um, so I had the Google Maps out and I was sort of leading the, the way and Kelsey was following me alongside. Um, and... I had the destination in my phone, but I was sort of looking around, all around me, going, this place is so cool and so weird. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but I love it. And so I was walking about this place, uh, and then eventually it got to the point where Kelsey's like, do you know where we are? Like, are we near that? And I had to look down at my phone and realize that we'd already walked past it. But I'm a guy, and so we don't admit we've walked past it. So I was like, yeah, yeah, let's just take a couple of right turns to get back to where we are. And so we eventually eventually got there, um, and it was shot anyway, so <laughs> it was a waste of time. Um, but it tells for a good story. Um, because we got distracted. I, was, I, I had in the destination where I wanted to go, but I got distracted because I was focused on the wrong things. 
I got distracted because I was focused on the wrong thing. I had a destination and I had a goal of where we wanted to go, but I got distracted because I was focused on the wrong things. There was a goal that I had put in my phone. I wanted to get to this mini golf place, but I was so amazed by all that was going around me and I got distracted because I focused on the wrong things. And often for us as followers of Jesus, we have a goal. We have a goal of what we are trying to do. Phil touched on it this morning about how our goal is to, to be more like Jesus Christ. Here on earth, that is our goal, is to strive to be more like Jesus. If you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, that is, that is our goal, is to be more like Jesus. But often what happens when we come through life, many things come against us to distract us. Many things come against us that take our eyes off the focus, that take our eyes off the main goal. And oftentimes we can get distracted and go wayward. And, and a bit like me and Kelsey in London, we're walking all the wrong direction. We've missed it entirely. Why? Because we were focused on the wrong thing. And so tonight I, I want to look at this idea of this one thing because in Scripture there's several passages of this idea of, of this one thing. There's several ideas of one thing that, that Scripture points out that we must focus on. I want to look at some things that can distract us, me as well, you, us as Christians, that distract us in everyday life and how to look at what the Bible is consistently teaching in these, just these three verses we've read tonight of this one thing we must focus on. And so the first distraction that we can often get caught up on is possessions. Possessions. And see, we read, we've read the first verse we read in, you can read the whole passage. I'll just probably paraphrase a lot of this for, for the sake of time. But in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22, you will read the, the passage of the rich young ruler the rich young ruler, and this, this guy who, who comes up to Jesus, and if you read in verse 17, it says he came running towards Jesus. This rich young ruler came running towards Jesus. It shows his heart. It shows his hunger and desperation to see more of Jesus. He is running to Jesus. How often do we run to church? We don't. <laughs> we run out. Um, but how often do we, we don't run to church, but we see the guy coming, running to Jesus, come running to him, and it shows his hunger and desperation. At the end of verse 17, we'll also read that he knelt before Jesus. He got down on his knees and knelt before Jesus. He was in complete humility of who Jesus was. And he was understanding who was standing in front of him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, standing in front of me. I have no shame of getting down on my knees. I am respecting him. I am in reverence of this man. And then he asks Jesus this question, what, what, must I do to intern, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus then throws him a question, says, well, you need to obey all the commandments. And he says, I have obeyed all the commandments since I was young. And so again, it adds another thing, another dynamic to who this guy was. He, had, he was running to Jesus, hungry to see him, knelt down in, in reverence of who he was, saying that he obeyed all the commandments. This guy, in, in you and I's eyes, is, is doing well. He's a person that is that is interested, that is a person that actually loves Jesus and seems like this is a good guy. But we also know later on in the story that he is a rich young ruler. He is a man of wealth, a man of wealth. And, and, and wealth and possessions, material possessions, all these sorts of things, possessions can be a distraction in our life as a Christian. In fact, Jesus says in Mark 10, 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Of God. And you and I, you've maybe heard the phrase of as, as Christians, we need to be in the world, but not off the world. We need to be in the world, but not off the world. But I don't know about you, but sometimes knowing that I'm a Christian that is in the world, 
Sometimes I get caught up on the things in the world. Sometimes I get caught up in the fact that things of the world, the world and society and culture is telling me that having money is important, having possessions are important. And as I have to be someone in the world, well then I get caught up sometimes in those things. I get caught up in the fact that having possessions is actually quite good. I get caught up in having money is actually quite good. And because we are people that are in the world, oftentimes we start to copy those customs and those behaviors that the world is offering us. And we think, well, I've earned those possessions. I've earned that money. And subtly what the enemy starts to do and subtly what happens in our lives, those things and those possessions start to become a distraction. Those things that, remember, we're supposed to, our goal is to be more like Jesus, but now money and a job and possessions and climbing a ladder, all those things of popularity and fame, they start to become a distraction to you and I. They start to become a bit like me walking down London and taking my eyes off the, 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 what the goal is and started looking around. I started looking around at the money we could make and the possessions that we could have and the fame and the popularity and those things. They start to become distractions. They start to take our focus off what the goal is, which is to be more like Jesus. And this story of the rich young ruler church, it's a stark reminder of what can happen if we take our focus off and put it on the possessions. Because I don't know about you, but this story of the rich young ruler is one of the most sad stories you will read in scripture. Because here is a guy, as we said, is coming running to Jesus, is excited, is, is obeyed all the commandments. And, and we read later on that it says that Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus loved this guy. And Jesus said to him at this point, then there's still one thing you haven't done. There's one thing. I want you to go and sell all your possessions. I want to go and, you to go and sell and give the, to the poor. And then I want you to come and follow me. I want you to come. I want you to follow me. And in the New King James Version, there's a, there's a wee bit in between that. It says, I want you to take up your cross and come and follow me. And then the, one of the most awful verses we'll read in Scripture is Mark 10, verse 22. And it says that he walked away grieved because he had many possessions. And here's this rich young ruler, had so much potential. And Jesus is trying to say, here's, here's the goal. Here's the one thing you need to do, follow me. Here's the one thing that you need to do. Don't get distracted by these things. Don't get distracted by money. Don't get distracted by climbing the ladder of, of wealth or your job. Don't get distracted, follow me. That's the one thing, follow me. Put everything aside and follow me. And how often do, do we do that? How often do we get distracted by possessions and money and materialistic things? And Jesus is here reminding him of the one thing that we are called to do as followers of Jesus. Follow him with our lives. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to give up and surrender our lives and follow Jesus and be like him. But yet we kind of want this sort of rich young ruler lifestyle, don't we? We want to be people who'll run into church, who'll, I, I, Davey, I kneel sometimes. See, when we do worship songs and they ask me to kneel, I actually go down. Or see, I put my both hands up sometimes. I, I worship Jesus with both hands. Um, and, and I've obeyed sort of the commandments. But Jesus said, but church, there's one thing I need you to do. I need you to give, give those things up and follow me. That's what it costs pick up your cross and follow me. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean to live in this wee bubble lifestyle. It means give everything and follow me. Don't let our possessions, church, hold us back and distract us from the goal of what it means. One thing. 
The second thing that can sometimes be a, a hindrance to us, it can be a distraction, is our performance. We have our possessions and then we have performance. And this is the next part of the, the, the story we jump into, read in Luke chapter 10, verse 42. And again, you can read this whole story in Luke. It starts at verse 38 and up to 42. And it's the story of Mary and Martha. And they invite Jesus back to their house to have a meal. And two friends of Jesus. And Jesus comes into their home and, and, and Martha starts cooking. She starts making a meal. And Mary starts to sit at his feet and listen. And often performance can be an issue, church, that distracts us from the goal. Our performance as a person, our performance as a believer, our performance as a Christian can often be the thing that distracts us. Why? Because again, Phil touched on this morning, what we look, do, we look at our lives and we see where we've still to go. We compare it to, to, to being in the presence of God and we realize I have so much to go. I am a failure. I, am, I, am so, I have so far to go. And so what do we do? We counter it by doing more, don't we? I have to do more things. I have to get to more meetings. I have to do far more things. And it's all about doing more. And we can often get distracted by this performance mentality. If we think that being a follower of Jesus is, is like, a, like a Premier League table, it's all about just climbing that and being better. And I need to do more than you. And I need to be better than you to climb that board. And it's all this outward look and trying to be better than each other. And what's the goal? The goal is to be more like Jesus. That's the goal. It's not to be, I don't need to be better than you. You don't need to be better than me. I don't need to compare to you. I don't need to compete with you. It's to be like Jesus. It's not a performance chart. It's trying to be like Jesus. And there's this bit in, in verse 40. It says that Martha was distracted by the dinner that she was preparing. Martha was distracted by the dinner she was preparing. So they invited Jesus along for a meal. Martha was whipping up a wee, a wee stew and a wee bread roll. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. And it says that Martha, in verse 40, was distracted by the dinner that she was preparing. Martha was distracted by the dinner she was preparing. And so there's that sentence, I want you to do two things for me. Where it says, Martha, I want you to replace your name. Martha was distracted by the dinner she was preparing. So put your name in there, whatever your name is, was distracted by the dinner she was preparing. And then the, the word dinner, I want you to replace with some things that, that we get caught up in doing. What are some of the things you get caught up doing? What are some of the things you get caught up that is a performance-based? Maybe it's David was distracted by the sermons he was preparing. Davy was distracted by the job he was doing. Davy was distracted by the friends he was hanging out with. I'm not saying all these things are bad things, church. These are actually very important. The meal that Martha was preparing for Jesus was important because they invited him back for a meal. Imagine inviting Jesus back for a meal and be like, I don't have anything. <laughs> well, actually, he invited me back. So the meal was important. But if it's at the expense of spending time with Jesus, then there is an issue there, church. Because how do you be more like Jesus if we're not sitting down spending time with Jesus? We need to sit and be with Jesus in order for us to be like Jesus. Jesus points out the one thing worth being concerned about. He points it out in verse 42. He says that this, this one thing that Mary has found, 
This is the one thing being concerned about. Mary has found it, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary was more focused on the, the eternal things. Martha was more worried about the earthly things. When it comes to your everyday, your actions, your decisions, your choices, what you do in your spare time, what you do at the weekends, what you do in the nights, are they more earthly minded or are they more eternally minded? Are they going to help with the, our eternal prospect or are they, going to, are they going to help just with the earthly things? Because Jesus said, the things that, that Martha, the things, sorry, that Mary is doing, they will not be taken away from her. Why do we know that? Because they were to do with Jesus. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the things that Jesus will teach you, they will never, ever leave you. We, they, we will take them into eternity. Whereas the things we are doing earthly minded, the jobs, the, all those things that we focus on and we think are the main things, we will leave them here. But it's the things that Jesus is teaching us, we will take them with us. This is the one thing that matters. And so up to this point, we have the rich young ruler. We have Mary and Martha. And Jesus pointed out this one thing. And both of them are similar. He said to the rich young ruler, come follow me. He said to Mary and Martha, sit at my feet and listen to me. And so there's something going on here. The one thing that Jesus so far has pointed out in these two stories is to do with him, being close to him. I want to look on to the final passage that I read out, was Philippians 3. And so, so far the distractions that we can have in our life can be your possessions, can be our performance. One of the final ones is your past your past. Philippians 3, I'm going to read tw verse 12 down to 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so Paul outlines one key principle here that he has lived by. He is sitting in, excuse me, in prison at this point when he writes this. He is in prison, and he is writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and he's trying to give them a bit of encouragement. He's trying to give them some information to focus on. And he says this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And I want to say this. You will never live your best by looking at your past. You will never live your best by looking at your past. If I was to run a race, or if I was to go for a run, and I kept turning around to look backwards... Always. The probability of me tripping over something is very high. The probability of me not really running that fast, not really know where I'm going, is very high. If I was to walk about, a bit like when I was in London, walked about, I wasn't focused on anything, I just walked about wandering, I would get lost. I wouldn't be able to go as fast as I could if I kept turning around and looking back. And listen, I'm not saying we don't look back. There are certain things that we need to look back on. 
This table is one of them. We will always look back and remember what Jesus done on the cross. And that is one thing you can look back on. And the second thing you can look back on and see where you used to be. And you can thank God that he has taken you from where you used to be. And you're not there anymore. But what we do after that church is we look forward. We look forward in our lives. We don't look at our past. Because you will never live your best by looking at your past. Our past can often be a huge distraction in our lives. And for many reasons, I want to point out a few reasons that your past can be a distraction. You may have some guilt or shame in your past. And what the enemy does is he loves to bring up our guilt and shame. He loves it. Because I don't know about you, when he brings up my guilt and shame, my head goes down. I don't feel like praising God. I don't feel like coming into church to worship. I don't feel like pressing on. But this is why Paul says, this is the one thing you must do, is forget your past and look forward to what lies ahead. Maybe your past is full of mistakes. Maybe you don't like looking back and you think, I'm scared of moving forward because I have made so many terrible mistakes in my past and I'm scared about the future and what other mistakes I make. Paul says, this is one thing you need to focus on, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Maybe your past is full of missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Maybe your past is full of things where you of regrets, of mistakes, of broken friendships, of broken relationships. And every time you look back, you feel awful. Maybe you've done things your past and you're ashamed of. Paul says this, focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Focus, he says, focus on this one thing. Focus on this one thing. I'm not much of a photographer at all, um, but I know this, that if you... And just as it's basic, because I have a phone. If you ever use a camera in your phone, and most cameras, most smartphones nowadays will have a, a, a focus thing where all you need to do is touch the screen. Just touch the screen on the area you want to focus on. And what happens is your phone starts to detect what you're wanting to focus on. And it focuses and it brings it up much clearer. And what happens to everything else? It just gets blurry, doesn't it? Everything else gets blurry. You can't see everything else in detail. And Paul's saying this, to us, focus not on your past, but on what lies ahead. Don't focus, don't look at the specifics of what your past is, but focus on this one thing, looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm gonna ask the band to come up and join me here as they come to a close here. This is a crucial thing, focusing on the past. Forgetting, sorry, the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Why? Because some things you will do right now, some of the decisions you may make right now won't be in the best, may not be the best decisions. And, and next week or the week after or a month or two months down the line, they will technically and literally be in your past, won't they? If you made a decision now and you jump forward a couple of months, today would be in your past. And so there's going to be lots of decisions even today. Some of you may look back and be like, well, some of those things I've done, I'm ashamed of because I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't following Jesus. And the enemy, whilst you're following Jesus, may still try to bring up some things, even things you're doing wrong right now. And in a couple of weeks' time, you will look back to now and think, why did I do that? I am ashamed. But this is why Paul said, focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Because some things, church, we're gonna do right now, some decisions you may make tomorrow, some decisions you may make when you walk out of this place, the enemy will try to bring up and remind you again 
But Paul is saying, focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And as I come to a close, all of these stories, there is a common denominator. Jesus says to the rich young ruler, focus on this one thing, or you're, sorry, you're lacking this one thing. He says to Mary and Martha, there is one thing that you need to be concerned about. And he said, Paul says in, in the letter to Philippian church, he says, focus on this one thing. And in all of them, to the rich young ruler, to Mary and Martha, and to the church in Philippi, the one thing is this, is we need to be solely devoted to Jesus. The rich young ruler, the one thing you're missing is following me, is picking up your cross and just coming to me. To Mary and Martha, the one thing that you need to be concerned about is sitting and listening and being with me. And to the church in Philippi, he says, forget the past and look forward to what Jesus has in store for you. So church, what did this all started, right? This all started with our goal. Often we get distracted because we're not focused on the right things. And our goal is what? To be more like Jesus. And so how do I do that? I focus on Jesus. I get my phone and I tap and I, I zoom in on Jesus and everything else is blurry. Because that's my goal. That's what I'm striving to be like. On this earth, that is what I'm striving to be like. This one thing is Jesus. This one thing is knowing Jesus knowing Jesus and making him known. 